In those days, the crest was in service to Steward Captain Auxilia of the Drift. Soldiers of the crest often face death when we are under contract. It is part of what makes mercenary life interesting. There are days where we live under constant threat, and to say those days are the best of our lives would not be unfair. Don't mistake me. Every member of the Crest enjoys our days of leisure. But when those days become too plentiful, we mercenaries yearn for a fight. It has been four weeks since the drift ships returned with their Vidala cargo, and we captured the artifacts hidden on those three ships. Hartvale has been quiet, as quiet as a major port city can be, and our agents have found no trace of the Vidala family, despite their apparent status as a modestly successful merchant family. We have had little success gathering intelligence on them. It is as though someone more wealthy and powerful protects them. It could be Lady Admiral Welfren, or perhaps another party that we have yet to identify. While our agents hunt the Vidala across the city, most of our soldiers have grown bored with the lack of excitement. Sergeant Iron Gull has had his full of quelling exuberance in the ranks. In stark contrast, the lieutenant has been locked away, studying the captured cargo for any sense of what the Vidala are planning. I have been with the Crest for a long time, and my bones are telling me this. Something is coming. There's a change in the wind. And when it comes, the crest can get to work. Welcome back for another episode of Errant Adventures. As always, I'm your game master and solo player, Steve Morrison. On this week's episode, Ben and the Crest face significant pushback from the Vidala family. Find out what happens on episode 9, This Bloody Day. It's quiet at the crow's nest. Ben has been recovering for the last four weeks, and he is mostly healed. I am going to mark off three of his four ticks on his harm track. So he's got one left. He's still slightly bruised and battered, but the knife wound in his back has healed up enough that he is able to move around with some ease. At the moment, it's mid-afternoon, 
and he is sitting with a couple other members of the crest, including Moro, at the crow's nest. It's a quiet afternoon at the crow's nest as the captain is away. He was called away to a meeting in Wolfsong with some important members of high society. The lieutenant has been locked away studying the Vidala artifacts and trying to determine their origin. Here and there, members of the crest have been sent out on various errands. And at the moment, Ben and Moro and the couple other members of the crest who are sitting around playing cards are the only ones in the crow's nest other than the barkeep. And there are a couple of other crest, including the lieutenant, who is sequestered in the back. Ben is looking over his hand of cards when the door opens, and he looks up, and a couple of sailors enter. They're not faces that they recognize, But they walk in and call to the bartender for a drink. And by their demeanor, it seems as though this is not their first stop. The bartender kind of raises an eye and looks over at the crest soldiers in the corner. And these drunken sailors sort of give them a momentary glance. The bartender pours a couple ales and puts them on the bar and the sailors stumble over and toss down some coin and begin drinking. The crow's nest has become the base of operations for the crest, but it is not their establishment. They pay rent to the owner of the crow's nest, but that does not give them sole license to be here. They simply strongly discourage others from spending time here at the Crow's Nest. Ben and Moro exchange a glance, and Moro says, you think we should tell them to move on? Ben shrugs a little bit and says, I think perhaps we let them have a drink, and if they start to misbehave, then we can tell them to make their way on. And they return to their card game. A few minutes later, the door opens again, and three more figures walk in. They look like workmen from the docks. They walk over to a table and sit down, and one of them pulls out a deck of cards, not dissimilar to the cards that Ben and Moro and the others are playing with. They also call for drinks from the barkeep. Ben looks at these newcomers and over at the sailors, and then back to his fellows, and 
there's a knot of concern that has started to develop in his chest. It's unusual for the crow's nest, the well-known establishment that houses the crest, to receive multiple guests who are not on crest business. Ben looks around at the others and they return his look of concern with looks of concern of their own. Almost before they can say anything, the door opens again. And this time, five figures enter the room. They look around, and this time, they look directly at the table that is full of crest soldiers. A shorter man with leathery skin, he smiles a little bit and then starts to approach the table. The crest soldiers throw down their cards and stand. Ben looks at this newcomer and says, I assume you have business with us. The short, leathery man smiles just a little bit and says, Compliments of the Vidala. And they attack. As the five figures draw knives, Ben sees that the two sailors that were standing at the bar, seemingly drunk, also draw weapons, and the three workmen sitting at a table also stand and draw weapons. And Ben snarls, draws his own short sword, and they join battle. So we are going to start off with engaging in combat. So Ben and the Crest soldiers draw their weapons. They are going to strike forward at these five who are standing close to them. And there is going to be bloodshed. So I'm going to take 2d6, and I'm going to add my plus one fierce as we engage in combat. Here we go. Six on the dice, plus one for a seven. So on seven to nine, choose one of the following. Attack with vigor, inflict plus one harm. Parry their blows, take minus one harm. You battle aggressively, inflict plus two harm, but take an additional plus one harm to yourself. Or fight defensively, inflict minus one harm, but take an additional minus two harm to yourself. Now, I think because these attackers walked into the crow's nest, which is their territory, it's the crest's territory, I think that these crest soldiers, including Ben, are going to fight aggressively. So they are going to charge forward. Ben is the closest to this shorter, leathery-skinned man, and he is going to step forward and stab with his 
short sword as the other man lifts up his dagger to stab it down into Ben. And he is going to deal three harm to this guy, uh, but he is also going to take an additional plus one harm. So what I think that means is in Scup, weapons have different harm. Uh, They do one to three harm, basically. Knives, daggers, short swords typically do one harm. They can do two harm if appropriate. And so basically the enemy's going to deal one harm plus one harm to Ben minus his armor of one. So he is going to take a single harm, which is going to tick him up to two boxes out of five on his track. But in response, Ben is going to deal three harm to the enemy. As he does so, he stabs forward with the short sword. And I think the other man is able to get a glancing blow off of Ben's leather armor and it cuts across his like shoulder a little bit. But Ben is able to drive his short sword through the man's chest and push him back. Now, the other crest soldiers set upon the four closest adversaries and they are going to do battle against them and I think we are going to use the fate chart to determine how well they fare in their part of the battle. So I'm going to roll my percentile dice. I think it is likely that the crest soldiers are going to fare well against these closer enemies. And uh, I'm going to use our chaos factor from the last scene of last episode, which was chaos factor of six. And I'm going to say likely. So here we go. 56, which is yes. Yes, they do. So they fare well against these attackers. Blades are drawn. They dive in. I think... These attackers were expecting to catch the crest unawares, but I think what they discovered is that a mercenary company, even when they are playing card games or dicing and seemingly at leisure, they are ready for a fight at any moment. And so uh, these crest soldiers push forward. I think two of the... Uh, four attackers go down in addition to the one that Ben felled and the others start to retreat. Now, here's an important question and one that we can ask the fate chart. Did these attackers come with more than just mundane means for harming the crest? Is there a mage in their midst? And I think it's 50-50. 51 on our cast rank of six is yes, there is a mage in the ranks. So I think one of those two sort of seemingly drunken sailors steps forward and is going to wave a hand through the air and then close it into a fist. The air around the crest soldiers hums for a moment. And this vibration 
emanates through the air, and I think they are going to have to try and resist that. Uh, and that is going to be with a face duress. So Ben is going to roll 2d6 plus his steady, which is a steady of two. And we're going to see how he fares against this. Three plus two is a five, which is going to be a failure. So he fails to resist the magical effect. Now I'm going to roll up a random spell using the maze rats random tables. And to do that, I'm going to roll 2d6 to determine the spell formula. So here we go. A four and a two. So it's going to be ethereal effect and ethereal form. All right, so I'm going to roll again 2d6, and we are going to see uh, what this ethereal effect and this ethereal form is. So the effect, five and four, is revolting. And the form, four and three, revolting moment. Okay, so this shimmering happens in the air, and this causes Ben to double over and begin vomiting as his body is overwhelmed with this intense nausea. And I think we're going to, once again, have to ask the fate chart how the rest of the crew responds to this. So I think it's 50-50 that they are able to resist these effects. And chaos rank of six. So here we go. 78 is a no. So all members of the crest just begin vomiting as this magical effect takes place around them. And I think uh, this is bad. This is very, very bad for them. There is one more question I think we can ask the fate chart, which is, does the lieutenant, the most powerful mage in the crest, who is on site here at the crow's nest, does she sense this use of magic on these premises? And I think it's likely that she does. So we're going to roll our 2d10 and see what happens. 67 is a yes. Yes, she does. So she senses this change in the air, the smell of ozone that fills the air. It even pierces to the back rooms of the crow's nest. And she feels this tremor in the air. So as Ben and the others are bent over vomiting. I think they are going to attempt to keep fighting through this, but it's very, very hard. So I think this is actually going to require a harm move. I think it is going to deal harm to them as they are basically involuntarily throwing up and their equilibrium is thrown off. So Ben is going to take a harm. And for this, I'm actually going to make him roll the taking harm. So when you suffer harm, roll plus harm suffered. This is going to be one to this. And remember on taking harm, we want to roll low. 
So that's five on the dice plus one is going to be a six, which is a miss. So on a miss, the MC can choose something from the seven to nine list above. If you do, it's in the place of some of the harm you're suffering. So take minus one harm. So I think that I'm going to take that option. We're going to remove the harm. And what this is, is they all drop their weapons. At this point, they are almost at the mercy of these attackers. And the first few who are closest are going to step up and take swings at Ben and the others. Ben is going to try and stumble out of the way. And to do that, he's going to face duress once again, plus steady. This is plus two. Seven on the dice plus two is a nine. That is a mixed success. So you can achieve your goal, but it'll come at a price. You can achieve your goal, but only partially. You cannot achieve your goal, but you can do something similar instead. I think that what I'm going to do for that is in lieu of rolling a fate roll to see how well the others do, I think Ben is able to maneuver out of the way, but some of the crest soldiers are going to go down. And so I'm going to roll a d6 and uh, make it a d3. So once again, on a 1 to 2, one member of the crest goes down. On a 3 to 4, it's 2. On a 5 to 6, it's 3. A 2. So only one member of the crest is going to go down uh, out of the five that are standing around this table. But we also have our friend Moro there. So we should, I guess, ask the fate chart 50-50. Is it Moro? I don't know. Let's find out. Five is an exceptional yes. It is Moro, and I think with the exceptional yes, unfortunately what that means is the attacker who steps forward and drives his dagger down as Moro is bent over vomiting I think Ben tries to like reach out and shove his new friend out of the way. And unfortunately, the table's right there. Moro's not able to move. And the dagger comes down and Moro goes limp and falls to the ground. Ben is able to step to the side a little bit. And then all of a sudden, there is a crack in the air. And that disorienting equilibrium shaking nausea vanishes as Ben and the other surviving members of the crest stand upright and look around at the back of the common room the door has been flung open and Lafalia the lieutenant is standing in the doorway eyes flashing hand outstretched And she says, Attackers here in our nest? Oh, that won't do. Members of the crest, kill them. And she is going to turn her attentions to the mage. Ben and the others are going to go for their weapons in this moment of distraction that Lafalia has caused. And we are once again going to 
engage in combat as Ben picks up his short sword and he goes for one of the figures closest to him, his short sword ready to strike. We're going to roll plus fierce on our 2d6. Here we go. Eight on the dice plus one is a nine, which is a mixed success. So we can attack once again with vigor. We can parry the blows. We can battle aggressively. We can fight defensively. I think that once again, because they are being urged on by Lefalia and there is this very tense struggle they're going to fight aggressively. And so Ben is once again going to deal three harm to the figure in front of him. And I think that drops him, but in the process, he's going to take a cut across his ribs and it slips uh, a little bit past his leather armor. And it, it basically just punches him in the ribs and I think bruises him a little bit, but he is going to take one harm because of that. So his armor absorbed one of the two harm incoming, but because he was fighting aggressively, he got dealt an additional one harm. So he is now sitting at three out of five boxes of harm. And we should go ahead and do another fate chart roll to see how the crest soldiers do against the others in this room. I think it's 50-50 that uh, the crest are able to take out more of these enemy fighters. Here we go, Chaos rank of six. 51 is a yes. So they strike down another handful of these attackers. There are only three or four left, and I think they are trying to retreat at this point as Lefalia has well let's ask the fate chart on that is Lefalia able to make short work of the enemy mage I think it is very likely so this is going to be a chaos rank of six 100 which is an exceptional no so Lefalia, powerful sorceress of the crest, turns her attention to this enemy mage. She gestures quickly and makes a slicing motion through the air, expecting the mage's throat to simply split apart and blood to flow everywhere. And the enemy mage gestures in response and the wall behind him is rent by whatever effect Lefalia intended but it avoids him and she looks at this mage with a newfound respect and says oh finally someone worthy of my attention come now little mage let's dance and they are going to engage in a mage's duel as they are battling back and forth, magic flashing lights sort of dimming and blaring in this small common room, Ben is going to turn to the last handful of these attackers and once again engage in combat. This is plus fierce on our 2d6. 
Here we go. Two on the dice. Plus one fierce is three, which is a complete miss. So on a miss, very bad things are going to happen. So I think the crest soldiers think they are making progress, but the magic that is flashing all around them is going to have some effect, I think. So let's go ahead and see what kind of magic is going on that they might be having difficulty getting past. So once again, I'm going to go to my maze rats random tables and I'm going to roll 2d6 to generate a spell formula. Three and four. So this is physical effect plus physical element. So for the physical effect, I've got three, two, grasping. And for the element, two, one, clay, grasping clay. All right, so Ben and the others press forward, weapons raised. They uh, move in to strike at these attackers. And as they do so, the wooden boards of the floor begin to warp and drip and turn to clay. It begins to crawl up their legs and they find themselves almost trying to trudge through this thickened, muddy clay as they're trying to approach these figures that have now sort of retreated around their mage. It seems like the mage is doing this with one hand while holding off Lafalia's assault with the other hand, and they are stymied. I think Ben is unable to make any headway towards these figures. They are slowly retreating back towards the doorway, and Ben is going to attempt to free himself from this clay and retreat a little bit because he knows that his crossbow and bolts are in a pile in the far side of the room, close to where the table was, close to where this battle started. He is going to face to rest in order to try and free himself from this. This is going to be rolling plus steady. 10 plus 2 on the dice is a full success. So you achieve what you set out to do. So Ben is able to pull his feet out of this muck, this clay, as it's drying around his compatriots. And he runs his way back over to where the crossbow is. He picks it up. He puts a bolt onto it. He ratchets it up and locks it in place, lifts it up and is going to turn. He takes aim at the mage and he slowly exhales his breath and then pulls the release, firing the bolt. Once again, we are going to engage in combat. Plus fierce, this is plus one. Two on the dice, plus one is another three on this engage in combat. So I think Ben fires off this bolt. It arcs towards the mage. And I think there are two possibilities here. I think either the mage somehow 
turns the bolt around, like spins it around and fires it back at Ben, or the mage casts some sort of magic at Ben. So I'm gonna ask the fate chart. Uh, I'm gonna say it's 50-50 that the mage casts magic back at Ben. Another 100, which is an exceptional no. So he does not cast magic back at Ben. He is going to capture the bolt. It's going to arc around him and increase, I think this is the exceptional no part of it, increase the momentum of it and he fires it back at Ben. Now, because I think this could potentially be very, very bad for Ben, I'm going to give him the ability to attempt to dodge out of the way with a face duress. If he fails on this, the obvious consequence is he is going to take that bolt very firmly and it is going to be very bad for him. We're going to roll our 2d6 at our plus two for steady and hopefully dodge out of the way of this bolt. Six plus two is eight, which is a mixed success. So you achieve your goal, but it comes at a price. You achieve your goal, but only partially. You cannot achieve your goal, but you can do something similar instead. So I think he is able to dodge out of the way, but I think unfortunately the bolt keeps sort of moving around the room, now magically seeking someone, and I think it hits one of the other crest soldiers, and he is going, and that crest soldier is going to go down as well. So now there are three crest soldiers remaining in addition to uh, Lafalia, and then there are, let's say, four of these attackers remaining, including their mage. So it's even odds, but it seems as though this mage is giving Lafalia a run for her money. Ben is, in the process of dodging out of the way, rolls under the table, and he is going to... I think try again. He crawls back over to his crossbow. He pulls it tight and loads a bolt in and he is going to yet again attempt to fire at the mage. I think this time there's no avoiding it. If he fails on this, I think that bolt is coming back at him and he's not going to have time to dodge out of the way of this one. So we're going to say... This is plus one on our fierce. Here we go. Six plus one is a seven, which is going to be a mixed success. So he is going to get to either attack with vigor, which adds plus one harm, parry their blows, take minus one harm, battle aggressively, again, take plus two harm and take an additional one harm to yourself, or fight defensively, Inflict minus one harm, but take an additional minus two harm yourself. I think he is trying to kill this figure, but I don't know that firing a crossbow counts as fighting aggressively. So I'm going to go with the attack with vigor. I'm going to say this is going to be also two harm from the crossbow plus one harm for the attack with vigor, and that is going to deal three harm to the mage. Now, I think the mage 
absorbs that blow and let's ask the fate chart. Does that give Lafalia the opening that she needs to strike at him? I think it is likely. So chaos rank of six. 78 is a yes. It does give Lafalia an opening. So Ben pulls up the crossbow. He breathes out once again, fires it off his second shot. And this time it arcs through the air and strikes the mage in the side. The mage sort of coughs a little bit of blood and his eyes flick over to where Ben is standing with the crossbow. That momentary distraction causes him to lose his concentration on Lefalia, and she brings her hands together, hovering them close, and then twists them over and around. And in that sudden moment, that instant, there's a sickening bone crunch as the mage's abdomen just twists and his intestines uh, explode, unfortunately. And he coughs blood and falls to the ground. The last three attackers are going to flee for the door. I don't think they are going to make it. I think there's almost no way that they're going to make it out of the crow's nest alive. So I'm gonna ask the fate chart. It's chaos rank of six once again. No way they make it out alive. 14. Yes, they do. So they barely make it out as Lefalia, I think, clips one on their way out. Ben is trying to reload the crossbow and fire again, but he has been hit a number of times and is shaking. And I think two of the attackers escape from the crow's nest and flee. There is a moment of silence as Ben feels the familiar thundering of adrenaline in his head begin to fade and suddenly he hears the groaning of wounded men bleeding out on the floor of the crow's nest and he looks around and sees Moro. He, I think, crouches down beside him and turns him over, and the man's eyes are wide with shock and confusion as he is dead, as is the other crest soldier who has one of Ben's bolts stuck through his throat. There are a few of the attackers who are still alive. They are gasping and groaning in pain. And Ben and the others go around and check on them when it is clear that they are dying and soon to be passed on from this world. Those surviving crest soldiers send them on their way.
in the midst of all of this, Lafalia stands looking down at the mage that fought her, the mage that stood toe to toe with her and would not be defeated. She bends down and presses her hands into the ruins of the man's abdomen. And Ben, seeing this from across the room, says, Will's breath, what is she doing? One of the other Crest soldiers who has survived looks and then kind of turns back to him and says, I think she's trying to sort out who he was and where he came from. I've seen her do this with mages before. Ben says, is that something they can determine with their entrails? The other crest soldier shrugs and simply says, I don't know. It's a witch thing, I guess. And then they go back to their grisly business. After a moment, Lafalia stands, her hands dripping with ichor, and she turns and surveys the surviving crest soldiers. She says, Well, that was certainly unpleasant. Are there any identifying markers on any of them? Anything to tell you who they are? Beyond, of course, agents of our enemy? And Ben is going to look them over. And I think this is going to be study a situation. So he is going to roll plus sly, which is plus one, on 2d6. Five on the dice, plus one is a six. So that is going to be a miss. Ask one question, but the MC gets to make their hard move as well. The first time you act on one of the MC's answers, take plus one forward on your roll. So I can ask a single question, and I think who or where is my enemy really is the question of the hour. So who is this enemy? Are they just thugs in the employ of the Vidala? It doesn't seem likely, given the amount of trouble that they gave these trained mercenaries. So I'm going to ask the fate chart. I think it's very unlikely that they are just sort of household guards of the Vidala family. Once again, cast rank of six. Are they just household guards? 38. Yes, they are household guards, but that doesn't mean that they are necessarily something else as well. Are they also mercenaries? Are they under the employ of the Vidala, much like the crest is of the drift? I think it's 50 50. 31. Yes, yes, they are. So they are another group of mercenaries. So I think Ben is rifling through their belongings and he finds a symbol, a marker of another mercenary company, and he shows it to Lafalia. And she takes a look at it and she says, Ah, yes, that makes sense. 
Well then, now we have an idea of who our enemy is employing. Now we can hit them back. But before we do that, we are going to have to make a hard move. And I'm going to roll on the MC move table to see what that move is. 79. Hint at an unwelcome future. So I think they are looking down at the bodies of these mercenaries. And Ben says, this could be us, I suppose, someday. It is us. And he looks over at Moro and the other crest soldier. We are just mercenaries in the employ of whoever pays and sends us out to die. Lephalia, standing next to him, says, Yes, is that not what you expected when you signed up with a mercenary company, Fresh Blood? That is our purpose. We are sell swords, after all. We sell our services to the highest bidder and do their deeds, their dirty, wicked deeds. That is what we are. These men and women are no different than us. In another life, I could have shared drinks with their mage, talked about magical theory, but today we were on opposite sides. That is the life of a mercenary. That is the life of the crest. Ben looks down at the blood and viscera on the floor of the crow's nest, and he says, I suppose it is. So we know that they are mercenaries hired by the Vidala to strike at the crest. The other question is, is this the only attack? I think it is very unlikely that this was the only attack. So I'm going to roll my 2d10 and see what the fate chart says. 46. So no, this is not the only attack. That means across the city, there are other members of the crest undergoing similar attacks. That sounds pretty bad. The captain was called away to a meeting in Wolfsong, and this meeting was unexpected. Was that meeting part of a ruse? It seems as though this is a planned attack against the crest across the the city. So I think it is very likely that it was a planned thing. So I'm going to ask the fate chart once again. Very likely. 96 is actually a no. No, it was not part of the plan. So whatever the captain's meeting is, that was genuine. But across Heartvale, a number of Crest soldiers are attacked wherever they are. They have been at leisure the last few weeks. Those few who are Seeking out information on the Vidala have been busy, but other than that, most of the Crest soldiers have been 
drinking and playing cards in the various taverns across Hartvale. How did the rest of the crest fare? I'm going to say it is 50-50 that the rest of the crest fared well against this attack. Cast rank of six. 15. Yes, they were able to fare well on these attacks. So what that says to me is that there were some casualties amongst the members of the crest, but because they were able to fare well, they didn't really get knocked down a significant number of soldiers, and they were able to hold their own against this attack. Later that evening, at the Crow's Nest, the scene of carnage has been cleared away. There's still some blood being mopped up by the workers of the establishment. In one corner, Ben and the other survivors of the attack sit around the table. They have drinks in front of them. The cards that they were playing with are still sitting on the table. There are flecks of blood marking them. And Ben is staring past the drinks at the stack of cards. He looks around to the other crest around him, the other two survivors. He lifts up his drink, and he says, Tomorrow and Alice, they were good soldiers. They were our brothers. And though they were taken from us today, we will honor them. And the three survivors toast to the fallen, not just those two, but also to the others who have been struck down on this day, on this bloody day. As they sit there and the atmosphere of the crest, now more full of crest soldiers, some sharing their stories of the attacks that they underwent. The atmosphere is serious. It's mournful. It's angry. The door to the back opens and Iron Gull emerges. He's been back there with the captain and the lieutenant, with the analyst with all of the officers of the crest. And as he looks around the common room and sees the soldiers of the crest, the rank and file soldiers, he takes a moment and looks at them. The room grows quiet as all eyes there turn towards Iron Gull. And one of the crest says, Sergeant, what are we going to do about this? When are we going to hit back? 
Iron Gull raises a hand as if to quiet any further questions. He says, Soldiers of the Crest, we suffered a blow today. But we held our own because we are powerful and mighty. Because we are strong. We held our own because we stand together. Now, we have learned that the attack was carried out by the Fell Swords. They're another company of mercenaries in the city. And apparently, they're in the employ of the Vidala. They are a mercenary company of some repute. The captain has heard of them. I'm sure they've heard of us, too. They hit us. They hit us across the city, and they hit us hard. We are going to hit back. Because they're a mercenary company, we know where they are. It's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. But soon, we're going to hit back at them. And we're going to make them pay for what they did to our brothers and sisters. In the meantime, I want you all to consider this. As of today, we are in a fight for our lives. It's a day like any other day in the crest. Am I right? And there's some cheering and stamping of flagons on the tables. These Vidala don't know what they're getting themselves into by sending mercenaries after us. They're going to learn that they should have hired out the best mercenary company in Hartvale. Unfortunately, our contract is already signed, and there's some laughter. Make no mistake, my friends. We will fight back, and we will win this war they started. But as for tonight, and he walks over to the bar and picks up a mug of ale, we celebrate our fallen as we always do, by drinking to their memories and by speaking well of them. And he lifts it up, and as one, the members of the crest say, To the fallen. Thanks for listening to Errant Adventures, and thanks so much to Sirenscape for the lovely ambient sounds and music throughout the episode. If you enjoyed the show, please tell anyone and everyone in your life about it. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. It really does help others find me. If you want to interact with me, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at ErrantSolopod, or you can email me at ErrantSolopod at gmail.com. I also post short fiction and campaign-related materials on my website, errantadventurespod.com. 
Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.